Welcome in to the Blitz and Buckets podcast, as always. Well, I guess not as always because I wasn't on the last two pods, but as per usual, it is your host, Kane Schwartz, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Jaden Kozak. How you doing, my guy? I'm just glad football's back. Oh, I yeah, baby. So, I was smiling all night last night, just hearing like the NBC music. Oh, back. yeah. That having Thursday night football on NBC as like if it were on NFL would have been disappointing. Like NBC just has that feel to it with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Like oh my god, gets me a soundboard so I can just. Oh my god, I get those goosebumps every time, man. Jeez, but it's back. We had Thursday night football last night. And it was a big darn well. Before we dive into Thursday night football, I'd like to give a shout out to Mitch McDonald and Lake Marcus for doing a fantastic job in my absence. And thanks for uh, all the weather slander. I really appreciated all that. That was really nice. And um, I've for anybody who is wondering why I was gone for the past two pods. It is, it is yeah i got some uh i got some frat slander on the podcast that i had to edit out afterwards but um yeah so right now we are in the rush process of our fraternity so we're trying to get new members into our fraternity so that requires me to be at a lot of the events socializing with kids that i might never see again but it's the same drill, like, hey, how you doing? My name's Kane. Where are you from? You got to yeah. advertise the pod. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I did that plenty yesterday. I was at a recruitment event yesterday, and I was editing Slap the pod. Slap a sticker on them. <laughs> I was editing the podcast in, like, in front of all my fraternity brothers and all the PMs, and they were like, what are you, like, mixing music right now? I was like, no, nah, it's my sports podcast. Uh, I do it with one of my boys back home, and they were like, Yep, sports podcast, and then they all went to the Instagram page, and oh, also, Instagram page, we, me and Jaden have been talking extensively lately, and we are gearing towards becoming more of a Instagram page with a podcast, I mean, obviously the podcast is still a one priority, but the Instagram page is going to get a redesign, because we had... We split some of the duties up a little differently now. Jaden's going to be running the Instagram, which allows me a little bit more time. And it just, it, it's good to have just one mind on the Instagram page, you know, with yeah. the main focus. So it'll be good. It'll be good. And obviously this doesn't mean like we're going to slow down <laughs> no. with the podcast. Yeah. We're still going to be trying to put it out weekly, but we're just going to try and pick up more content on Instagram so we can get more engagement on Instagram, which would lead to more engagement for the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, with that, let's hop into the Thursday night football recap. And last night, it was a hell of a game, man. The Bucks ended up winning that one, 31 to 29. Ended up coming down to a game-winning field goal in the final seconds of the game. I mean, the clock didn't run out when the field goal was kicked. But, you know, I mean, basically game-winning field goal for the Bucks. Tom Brady, as always, led a hell of a drive down the field and gets them within field goal range and they win the game. But let's dive into some of the stats and Dak for anybody who was concerned about his injury, 
they no longer need to be concerned because he said earlier in the week that he was going to come out firing. He was going to come out fast and he lived up to the hype. He went 42 for 58 last night, 58 dude, 58 passes thrown for Dak Prescott, 403 yards, three touchdowns and an INT. And that INT was because of a drop pass from CD lamb, which we'll get into in a second. But with all with all those passing yards and those touchdowns, those went to these guys. And who other than CD and Amari? They both go for 100 yards in this one. But Amari, I mean, I was really impressed by what Amari did. 13 catches on 16 targets, 139 yards and two touchdowns. What were your thoughts on Amari last night? I was extremely pleased as an Amari Cooper owner as of Thursday morning because I traded – for him in an effort to dump off DeAndre Swift and his murder allegations. Um, (laughs) So like, you know, he started slow. um, Wasn't really good as I saw CD get targeted a lot early on. And I was like, this is not good. This is, this is really not good, but targets started to pick up catches. You know, he was making great catches and he got in the end zone twice, 140 yards, if they can continue to replicate this, obviously not everybody's going to eat every week because there's so many weapons there. Gallup, I don't know if he played in the second half, but I know he was questionable to return at one point with an ankle injury. Uh, Dalton Schultz looked really good. He was getting a lot of targets. Um, one player did not look very good was Ezekiel Elliott, which I know we're going to get to, and I know you have some very choice words, but he didn't carry the ball a lot. And, no, he you know, you can see that in Dak's passing attempts. Yeah. What do you think of how Zeke's going to be moving forward? I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm really, honestly, I'm scared. Because now, granted, you were playing the Bucks, who are a very sound defensive team, one of the best defenses in the league. And you also had no Zach Martin in this game because he was out because of COVID. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous going forward. He just didn't look that great. Like, he didn't look like the Zeke that we're used to seeing. He looked like Zeke last year. And that yeah, should not that be was, the case yeah. when you have a quarterback who is throwing often in this game. Like, they shouldn't be expecting. Last year, it was one thing because they expected the run. Like, they, you would just stack the box and just play the run and – Zeke was getting eight up at the line, which makes sense. But there wasn't that last night. You know, people weren't stacking the box because there was players going off. I mean, Dak threw 58 times. Like, the defense was not stacking the box, and he still, despite that, didn't get anything going last night. And even on, like, throwing, like, when Dak was dumping it off to him on passes, looked terrible. Look terrible. Like he had a look right by the end zone last night, like on a dish out play, and Zeke was like the check down, and he th- throws to Zeke. And granted, it wasn't the greatest pass; it was a little on the outside, but it's Ezekiel Elliott. He should make something happen with a play with a play like that, with a pass like that. I mean, he was three yards from the end zone, nothing but green grass in front of him in the end zone, and couldn't make anything happen with it. So. Now I'm nervous. I'm nervous. But yeah, I remember I remember a play last night where I mean, granted he was sitting in the flat, but 
I mean, Zeke was wide open sitting there with his hands up, and he throws a contested ball to Amari Cooper, which he almost brings down one-handed. But nonetheless, Zeke's just sitting there. And Dak even, like, looked at him and then looked away from him. Like, Zeke was Zeke's never been Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, but he was more than capable of catching the football. Oh, yeah. And I just – I don't know if they don't plan to use him like that anymore and if Tony Pollard then becomes that guy kind of like a uh, – I mean, like a Mark Ingram Kamara situation a few years ago, but 11 carries and only 33 yards. I just watched, he was struggling to get back to the line. I mean, he only had one rush of more than eight yards that I can recall. And I'm, I watched pretty much the whole thing. I watched him struggle to get back to the line multiple times. Uh, I'm not saying panic sell fantasy wise. I'm not saying panic sell, but if you can capitalize on someone else panic selling, Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still Ezekiel Elliott, so the name value still holds something. Right. But if somebody's like, I want nothing to do with this guy, I get him off my team before the sink com- or the ship completely sinks, capitalize on that because he's still Zeke. Right. No. He's going to have a game. And nobody 100%. expected him to boom against Tampa Bay. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to take advantage of fantasy owners looking to sell the farm on Ezekiel Elliott, definitely take that opportunity and run with it because it's still Zeke. He's still first round pick this year. He's still like, despite the passing, the receiving game struggles last night, like you said, like he is more than capable in the passing game. He's not a Derrick Henry. That is not, it is a non-factor in the receiving game. Like Zeke is a receiving back, not primarily, but he's very good at it. And no, definitely agree with you take advantage of panicking fantasy owners on Zeke right now. And another guy you might want to, you might have fantasy owners panicking, which I, I wouldn't call it panicking for me, but I mean, I'm slightly concerned and I'm talking about Mr. CD lamb. He had like on paper, great game, seven catches, 104 yards and a touchdown. But my God, the drops were terrible last night i mean dax one interception came because a ball slid right through cd's hands into the defense's hands and he dropped more than one pass like that i mean there was one where he was fading out in the end zone and dax throws it and it should have been an easy interception for the bucks but cd doesn't even look back for the ball like i what i saw from cd last night i was not very impressed I mean, the drops, it, and he struggled with drops last year too. Like, it's, I didn't think, fourth. Yeah, tied for fourth. They showed the stat during the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I saw too. And he struggled with drops last year, and it looks like it might be a problem this year. But granted, after he did have some serious drops, he locked in. You saw him on the bench, and you saw him just like, stone cold face like he is you could he is hideous by the way he is no he is not come on he is cd lamb and tell me that you'd let that guy date your daughter dude i would let cd lamb date my daughter come on it's cd lamb bro he's a million let cd lamb look at my daughter wow you got wow that is he is hideous look at look at his facial structure like his face just skinnies out at his chin 
We should we should put a poll on the new active Instagram whether it, or not it, CD yeah, Lamb. Yeah, is this attractive. is our first this is our <laughs> first attempt at being an active Instagram page. Do you find CD Lamb attractive? It's important. We need it for our research. So but yeah, I mean CD struggled last night, but in all in all, he did fix it up towards the end of the game and oh, he yeah. didn't have yeah. And he's starting wise, he finishes he finishes with what twenty-four points. Yeah, like which that. is fantastic. I mean, that's that's more than what you can like. That's more than his projections by far. Um, so it, it's not even a bad game. It's just like you no. look at the drops and you're like, ah, oh, that's not good. Yeah, I don't. No, like it's that, the same but... thing with Deontay Johnson. Like Deontay Johnson, yeah. I, he had games where he would drop the ball, but he would still have a good game. You know. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on. Let's hop into the buck side of things and. At age 44, Tom still got it, dude. He threw 50 passes last night. Imagine throwing 50 passes in an NFL game as a 44-year-old male. Jeez. But he throws 32 out of – he completes 32 out of 50 passes, throws for almost 400 yards, throws for four tutties and two interceptions. But those interceptions weren't his fault, I don't think. But uh, in my opinion. And as far as the receiving side – Mike Evans outshined by A.B., Godwin, and Gronk. A.B. went for more than 100 yards on only five catches and a touchdown. Godwin racked up the catches, got nine, over 100 yards and a touchdown. And Gronk, I mean, still still doing it, dude, this duo. I can't believe it. Eight catches, 90 yards, and two touchdowns for him. And Evans, only three catches and 24 yards. What do you attribute Mike Evans' struggles to last night? Um, I'd probably have to say lack of targets if I had to pick something out just because you, you saw like it was a lot of, he only had six targets. Chris Godwin had 14. Um, I think AB finished with like eight targets, but I wouldn't again, not ready to panic sell on Mike Evans. Now he has dud games. He always has like, he he's never a super consistent guy. He's pretty touchdown reliant. And that's just what you're going to get with a guy with that's that size that doesn't separate very well. So, and with an offense like this, where there's so many other weapons, Mike Evans is going to have bad games because if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's not getting thrown the ball enough to put up good production, but AB so happy. Like (laughs) I totally understand. I totally understand the Steelers fans that hate him, but he was like, I was a football fan before AB was great, but, He's still probably my favorite football player of all time, even after he completely screwed us over. I was wearing my AB jersey last night. Like, I was I was so happy for him. Wow. Same. I was the same way in the Super Bowl. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a, but, what a thing. Like, if you have AB, don't, like, be like, oh, wow, he had a good game. Let me try and push him. Um, he finished, I think, from week nine to the end of the year last year when he was on the team. He had the most targets of those three guys. So, and there's obviously chemistry with him and Tom. So, I mean, I really like AB. I think, especially for like daily fantasy, he's going to be cheap for a while. Yeah. And he's going to put up production. Now, obviously, because of all the receivers there, he's going to have some dud games just because, you know, Tom might not be finding him that day. Just no, any, yeah, any receiver on that team is bound to have an it's, off it's day very case. high volatility. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because one of those, one of those guys is going to bust, but 
then you could have three guys at boom like last night. Yeah. So yeah. granted, I don't think Tom Brady will be throwing it 50 times in yeah. a usual game, but game script called for it last night. But I think a lot of Mike Evans' struggles last night came from good play on the defensive end. Defend, by the way, Cowboys defense, extremely impressive last night compared to what oh, they were yeah, last yeah. year. Oh, my gosh. Like Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs was shadowing Evans basically the whole game and yeah. he shut him down. And, and that, that play that he made towards the end of the game where he threw like Brady kind of lobbed it into Mike Evans. If Diggs doesn't get a tip on that ball, Mike Evans immediately gets into the field goal range. Granted, they ended up getting there anyway. But that was an amazing play to just get a finger on it. I saw multiple times where Mike Evans just looked like out of it. Didn't didn't look interested. There would be balls that would be like, like I think it was twice. He thought it was an interception, so he didn't even go for it. Um, but, yeah, the Cowboys defense looked great. And I I, I'm not ready to say, you know, the next week they could allow another – 40 point slashing because they still allowed almost they still allowed 30 points last night which isn't good but when you can take the ball away from tom brady's offense four times right no that's what i'm saying like it's the defending champs like that offense is high powered to say the least and to have that kind of defensive performance against a high powered tampa bay offense coming off of a super bowl very impressive so i like i like i'm a washington football team fan and that's very well known but I think the Cowboys are going to be dangerous you, this year. Even though you own five Cowboys in a fantasy league? I think the Cowboys are going to be dangerous this year. I'm especially in on them in fantasy, 100%. So I also wanted to touch on Rojo last night. He is back at it again with the fumbling troubles. Arians has had problems with Rojo in the past and him fumbling. He's called him out in the media because of it. And he had a fumble last night, and you didn't see much afterwards after that. He only had four carries for 14 yards, and Lenny ended up getting nine carries and 32 yards. For fantasy purposes, I prefer Lenny to Rojo. I always have, like, going into this year, just because of what Lenny did in the playoffs and the contract extension that Lenny got, I think – I like Lenny a lot more than Rojo, but both these guys are flex plays. I would not. I, I, I was about to say, fantasy-wise, I don't know if I'm touching anybody here because Lenny and Rojo, even though Lenny got a couple of targets last night, when they're looking to target the running back on plays where he is the target receiver, Giovanni Bernard's coming in. Right. So, And he's never going to run the ball. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't – personally, I'm not touching any three of these players unless it's like a dire, dire need to have a running back that's going to play snaps. I just, but I don't trust, they don't the run three, the ball enough. And it's three of those guys. Yeah. Th- out, out of the three, probably under Fournette. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, that just about does it for our Thursday night football recap. So nice to have football back. It is so nice. We are, we're back again, maybe. But a top into some of the news that developed this week and, It's the Ravens, man. Jeez. So, for anybody that doesn't know, J.K. Dobbins, starting running back for the Ravens, high anticipation going coming into this year. This was going to be Dobbins' breakout year. He's taken over for a backfield that used to be primarily uh, Mark Ingram. And J.K. Dobbins was looking to be the next guy up in a rush-heavy offense in Baltimore. 
And J.K. Dobbins tears his ACL in the preseason. So you're like, okay, this is bad. And the Ravens go ahead and sign Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad. And and before they sign Le'Veon Bell, Justice Hill, who has been, yeah, I wouldn't say a feature back, but a, a part of their offense for the last few years, also tears his either ACL or Achilles, but a season ending. I think it was um, Achilles. They lose, yeah, they lose their first running back and their third running back. Right. And then yeah yesterday. so yeah so to make up for losing those two guys raven signed Le'Veon bell to the practice squad and they brought him in for a workout so it made sense that they brought him in but you didn't think he was going to get much work like at this point and then yesterday breaking news gus edwards and marcus peters on consecutive plays in practice tear their acls or have some i don't think the injuries have been confirmed yet but some uh, season-ending injuries for both the guys. They both got confirmed late last night. Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, it was obvious that these guys were going to be out for the season. And Gus Edwards, I mean, he was looking to be the lead back there. And Gus Bus, he just runs forward. But that that's what they needed this year with J.K. Dobbins out. And Gus Edwards tears his ACL. And also, not to mention the huge loss of Marcus Peters, who probably – in the grand scheme of the Ravens, is probably a bigger loss than Gus Edwards. But oh yeah, I agree. You can you can fill in any like they've got a Tyson Williams who's off their practice squad that will probably fill in, and I I don't see Le'Veon being a factor. And then you know obviously you'll get to the other guys that they've picked up, but you can bring in any running back that runs hard into that with Lamar, and they'll be fine. Because everybody's still worried about Lamar. And that's like not to, you know, tear down J.K. Dobbins, especially with what's going on with him. But I think that a lot of his success was attributed to everyone's focused on Lamar. And if J.K. Dobbins gets the ball, that's the best case scenario. Right. Or if Gus Edwards or whoever is the running back gets the ball, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Agreed. And also want to chime in on this. Uh, the Ravens signed Devontae Freeman to their practice squad as well. So <laughs> back in uh, back in 2014, this would be a hell of a backfield. <laughs> hey, and, and, and they grabbed Latavius Murray, too. They finalized the deal with him last night. True. And I think I think he'll actually be the lead back here. I don't think. Yeah. Le'Ve- Le'Veon doesn't make sense to me because, you know, I've said this, like I was talking to Caden, uh, who's been on here before, and another Ravens fan friend of mine and I was I talked to both of them just as like a hey man how are you doing mm-hmm. like a like a little mental health check right and I was like it's I important to check on your Ravens fans right now yeah oh yeah yeah please please pray for your Ravens friends make sure they're okay bring them dinner <laughs> um, couldn't be us yeah no uh, um but I was talking to him I was like I don't really know how Le'Veon Bell works in a read option style offset offense where you know, usually you want them to take the ball and go and just like run, you know, hit the hole as hard as you can and try and get as many yards as possible. Whereas Le'Veon Bell, especially at this stage in his career where he was never fast and now he's even slower where he used that running style of, you know, sit, wait, find the hole and then, you know, find your spots and then go. But he doesn't really make sense there. Devontae Freeman, I guess, makes sense for that because he's going to be kind of like Gus Edwards and just be able to, you know, hit the hole at full speed. And then Latavius Murray will kind of be the J.K. Dobbins, I guess. And then Tyson Williams, I don't really know a whole lot about him personally, but I'm sure he'll find himself a role. 
yeah, I'm sure he'll find himself a role here. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Gus Edwards was undrafted. I feel like Justice Hill was too. Like, they just find these guys that you don't need super high talent. And obviously, they use a second-round pick on Dobbins. But yeah. I don't – I think like, – I agree that Latavius Murray will definitely be the lead back. Just because Latavius Murray has the most recent track record of successful football. Yeah, like, like when Kamara goes down, he comes in and fills his shoes perfectly. I don't know. Right. I don't. I think that was two years ago when Kamara missed like significant time, and Murray came in and was successful. I'm, he may have played like a couple snaps last year, but Murray was the, one of the best insurance policies in fantasy yeah. for yeah. a lead back that would get injured. And I mean, so the best insurance policies in fantasy, as far as running backs go, is like Tony Pollard for Zeke. Alexander Madison. Kareem Hunt. For, Kareem, yeah. Kareem Hunt is yeah. uh, in a tier of his own as far as insurance policies go. Right. Um, right. But then, yeah, Madison. Um, Pollard, who looked Pollard. good last night. A.J. Dillon. Like, yeah, they, Latavius Murray is in the company. And Latavius Murray has had a hell of a career by himself, you know, not just as an insurance guy. So, no, I love the I love Latavius Murray signing. I, I picked him up off of waivers in one of our leagues. As soon as the news came out that Gus yeah, I did the same. ACL. I did the so. same. Sneaky, sneaky pickups. Sneaky pickups. All right. Well, that covers the news for this week. And let's finally get into the games that we got coming up on Sunday. Week one outlook. Here we go, baby. And we start with the primetime matchup. One, well, not primetime, but. Definitely a huge game and possibly the game of the week. One o'clock p.m. Sunday, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Going to be huge. Things to watch in this game. You got the high-powered Buffalo offense versus an always elite Pittsburgh defense. Pittsburgh last year, they allowed the third least total yards to any offense last year and the third least passing yards allowed, which is the primary strength of Buffalo and Josh Allen and that whole offense in general. And Buffalo, on the other hand, they tied for the second most yards on offense in 2020, third most passing yards. And in the offseason, they signed, we've talked about it before, but they ended up bringing on Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, and they will make their debuts in this game. I think it'll be interesting because, you know, they have Stefan Diggs, and then there's a huge drop-off. You got Cole Beasley, you know. So I really think that especially – I've watched some of Emmanuel Sanders in the preseason, and he looked really good. So I think he might be a factor coming on Sunday. And more recent news out of Pittsburgh's camp this week, T.J. Watt signs a massive contract extension. I had made notes – for this podcast like two days ago and that was when tj watt hadn't signed he was coming off of a semi holdout but he returned to practice on wednesday and ben on wednesday ben roethlisberger said when asked about tj in the contract situation he was like tj should get whatever the heck he wants and one of the reasons i took less money was for guys like him to get paid and damn did he get paid the highest contract for any defensive player in the NFL right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, I love it. Just bringing back, you know, would I have liked to save more money just as the, you know, from the 
front office standpoint of it, obviously you want to, you know, have as much cash space as possible, but of course I want to bring TJ Watt back. If we, you know, we're not in a like DeAndre Hopkins situation where this is like happening in May or June where, you know, he, we can't come to an agreement and it looks like we just have to trade him. So as soon as I saw that we were like having problems and they've, you know, come to pretty much a standstill, I was panicking because he is by far the best player on this team and a perennial defensive player of the year, perennial all pro. And one thing that the grudge was about was the Steelers don't give guaranteed money after the first year. That's been something that we have, you know, put our foot down on consistently, you know, whether that be with Le'Veon, uh, I can't remember if that was a problem with AB or not, but we don't do that. So we don't, we didn't want to open the door for other players to want that in the future by giving that to TJ Watt. And that was obviously a huge point of emphasis for TJ Watt, but we get a deal done four years, 112, 80 million guaranteed. I'm totally fine with it. We still have, I'm pretty sure we're still first or at least in the top five, as far as salary cap going in the next off season goes. So, and obviously we have holes to fill quarterback likely being one of them. Um, but yeah, it's going to keep our defense strong. Defense stays intact. Uh, love bringing him back. Yeah, all good things, all good things. And arguably, I mean, he's the highest defensive, yeah, highest paid defensive player now. And I will get into our award predictions later, but uh, I like him to win defensive player of the year this year. So, all right. Also in this game, Najee Harris is going to make his debut as a Steeler. Now, Jesus is on the scene, and it'll be interesting to see just how much they use Najee in this game. How do you think it's going to go down? Because, it, I mean, in the past, Mike Tomlin loves his workhorse backs, and it looks like Najee is looking to slide right into that role. What do you think the offense is going to look like tomorrow? Or not tomorrow, but Sunday. I wish it was tomorrow. Uh, Gosh. Yeah, I wish it was Sunday. But um... – I think he'll do great. I don't think there's a – I mean, there are a couple of teams with worse defenses, but as far as run defense goes, the Bills have, you know, made it a point to be like, okay, we're going to give you the run. We're just going to stop the pass. And, like, their defense isn't phenomenal, but we're going to give you the run because we've got great guys in secondary, Davis White, Micah Hyde. So I think he does have a pretty good day. You know, obviously the offensive line was one of the main concerns for people, you know, drafting – us drafting him and then people drafting him in fantasy as well. This is one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Do I trust a not so speedy back to produce? I think he does pretty well. I think he exceeds a hundred yards, probably a few catches. Um, I, I'm so happy because it's just like the, the feeling of your team drafting a skill position player, especially one that's like a first round best player at that position in the draft. Mm -hmm. like it just it feels so good you want to buy their jersey in every color pick them up in every fantasy league and then trade them away because you're an idiot <laughs> um if anybody wants to know what he's referencing i managed to nab Najee harris off of Jaden in a recent trade and i'm hyped about it i'm glad to my two running backs are dalvin cook and Najee harris and i'm not out here complaining so woo. <laughs> But, yeah, I think Najee will look great in this game. I have high hopes for him this year. And Tomlin loves his workhorse back. So, and he's got a lot more talent. As much as we love James Conner on this podcast, 
Najee's got a little bit more talent than Mr. James Conner. So, all right. So let's hop into the betting lines for this game. And let's hop into the spread first. The spread for this game, Buffalo is favored, minus six and a half. Pittsburgh is not favored, plus six and a half. And the money line for this game, Buffalo, minus 290. Pittsburgh, plus 235. And anybody who doesn't know a lot about betting, so this, the point spreads, if a team is favored, minus six and a half on the point spread, that means that Vegas predicts Buffalo to win by six and a half or at least six and a half. And if you don't think that Buffalo is going to win by six and a half points, then you would take Pittsburgh plus six and a half because you think that Pittsburgh is going to cover the spread. But if you think Buffalo is going to win by more than just six and a half, then you would go Buffalo minus six and a half. So that's how it works with the spreads and money line. You're not going to make any money if you bet on anything that is more than minus 200. So anything that's more than minus 200, that team is pretty heavily favored. So anything minus 200 and going inward, then you want to bet on that. So like Pittsburgh's plus 235. And that's a good bet to take because they are not heavily favored in this game, unlike Buffalo. So there's that small explanation for you. You got the spreads. You got the money lines. Let's hop into our picks. Jaden, you want to lead us off? Yeah, uh, I'm taking Buffalo, and I don't really have any, like, any – I'm not shaky about it. I'm pretty sure Buffalo wins this game. If we do win this game, it'll be very close. Um, I don't think that – if, especially if Buffalo comes out firing on all cylinders as they were last year – I don't think we can keep this close really just because of how well they um, how well they pass the ball and our secondary is obviously not our strength. Whereas our run defense is, and they don't run the ball enough for that to be even a factor. Uh, I just don't think we can score enough points to stay in this game and we can't stop them from scoring enough points stay in this game. So I'm definitely taking Buffalo on this one. You taking Buffalo on the spread and the money line. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep, same for me. I think that the Steelers' offense is not as high-powered as it's been in the past just because Ben is getting up there, and I don't see Ben throwing for 50 passes ever again in the game because now they have not. He literally just threw for 60 passes last year in the playoffs. I know. That's what I'm referencing. And I don't think now that they have an Aji Harris in there, I don't think that's going to happen again this year. I mean, I'd have no. to on Sunday. <laughs> well, the game, that's true. I mean, the game script probably game will script. call. Yeah. yeah. Game script will probably will call for Ben throwing often. So, but it, it simply won't be enough. I mean, Buffalo, they're one of the Super Bowl favorites this year. So I'm taking Buffalo on the spread and the money line. And my prediction for this game is – Big Ben struggles to get anything going on offense and can't keep up with Buffalo scoring as we've already discussed. So with that, let's hop into our next big matchup of the week. And that is the Arizona Cardinals at the Tennessee Titans at one o'clock on Sunday. And the things to watch in this game, high profile debuts for 
all-star players on both sides. And let's start with Tennessee first. You got Julio making his fresh Titans debut in the number two jersey. And what do you think of Julio this year, man? Just in general, I've heard a lot of differing opinions on him all over the fantasy stratosphere. So what do you think? I think, especially fantasy-wise, I think Julio is being extremely underrated right now. Just like, yes, he's playing alongside A.J. Brown and he's going to split targets with them, but he did he not just do that in Atlanta with Calvin Ridley and was consistently playing well when healthy. Yeah, you're, he's going to miss four or five games. You that you kind of just take that. You know, they're like Chris Carson. It's the same way. You know he's going to miss two or three games a year. Um, but he's also playing in the same way. Julio's also pretty good at playing through injury. Yeah. Yeah, and he did that last year. Like, you know, some of the injuries that he missed time with, he also played through those same injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's now in an offense with Derrick Henry, which adds another element that the Falcons didn't have last year. Um, and a lot of the play action where – you know, that's how A.J. Brown was so successful. Derrick Henry is going to be able to open up a lot more things in the passing game, especially now because you've got to put seven people in the box for Derrick Henry, but then you've also got to put, you know, one and a half to two people on A.J. Brown, and you got to do the same thing with Julio Jones. So I think that he might start kind of slow, but once, like, Tannehill and they all figure out how this offense is going to work with these, you know, three super dynamo players – he could, you know, be very, very good. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, my it, this might be a hot take for some people, but not a hot take for a, a lot of other people. And a lot of what I've seen from experts and my personal opinion is that Julio is going to take a backseat to A.J. Brown this year, 110%. Like, A.J. Brown is the primary number one receiver in Tennessee. I mean, he's worked with Tannehill longest, and at this point, at this point in his career, AJ Brown is better than Julio Jones is. Like, it's well, the might be hard. The reason why, yeah, the reason why I say he starts slow is just because AJ Brown and uh, Tannehill have already built that rapport, whereas Julio doesn't have that with Tannehill yet. But I still think overall, right now. Julio is a better football player than A.J. Brown is. Maybe by the end of the season, it might be wrong, but Julio is still uh, an excellent route runner. He still has doesn't have all of his speed, but he still has some of it, and he's bigger than A.J. Brown. Yeah, but Julio, I mean, he's in the twilight of his career now, man. He's not – Yeah, but there – He's not prime two time. years no, from – and I'm not – I'm not doubting anything that Julio can still do. Yeah. Like, I think I've got Julio in one of my leagues, and I – I like him a lot. I've always loved Julio. Ever since in the combine, he rocked that, uh, you know, those little bugs that they used to have. Oh like, yeah, those little trackers at the combine. I used to, yeah. I used to watch the combine and think that was so sick. But Julio with the dreads back then, coming out of Bama. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've always been a huge Julio guy. But he's in the twilight of his career, man. Like it's not prime time Julio anymore, and he's gonna struggle with injuries. But, yeah, I think A.J. Brown at this point, I got to disagree with you. I think he's the better receiver. He's just about as big as Julio is and just about as – I mean, probably more physical than Julio is. 
and he's got more of the physical traits right now. So I think Julio definitely takes a backseat to AJ Brown this year, but it won't be significant. I mean, it's proven that Tennessee can have, I mean, he Julio's a lot better than Corey Davis. I will, I will yeah. say that world's better than Corey Davis. And Corey Davis was plenty productive behind AJ Brown and their time together. So I like Julio this year. Also making their debut on the Tennessee side is Bud Dupree, former Steeler. Good stuff there. And on the Arizona side, James Conner making his debut in the red and white, I guess. Yeah, in the red and white. Wearing number six. Disgusting. It's Dude, disgusting. I didn't even. He's wearing number I, six. I was listening to the pod and uh, like the most recent pod that we just came out with. And um, I did not know that James Conner was rocking number six this year. That is kind of disgusting. Like, why? Why? And like a, a downhill runner like James Conner should be repping like anything from 20 to, yeah, like 20s, 30s. Like, it needs to be a running back number. Like, I don't, he might struggle just because of his numbers. If you yeah. own James Conner, I, I'm not happy with you. Just, just simply because he's wearing number six. <laughs> you're, you're a bad person. I own James Conner in a couple of leagues this year. And you're so. a bad person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is what it is, man. Got it's a struggle that I deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> but it will be interesting to see how they balance the backfield between James Conner and Chase Edmonds this year. I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the pod recently, how they're like it'll because Chase Edmonds is primarily a receiving back. Like he cannot run between the tackles. And James Conner is that guy who can run between the tackles. And not so long ago. He's a pro bowler. So I expect good things out of James Conner this year, despite him with him wearing number six. And I expect good things out of James Conner in this game. Also making his debut on the Arizona side, AJ Green, which is, I can't believe this guy has fallen so far. Do you think AJ Green is almost going to be a non-factor in this game and for the rest of the year for the Cardinals? Uh, well, from my Cardinal source, which has been on the podcast recently, he says that he's been doing great things in training camp, but so is Dwayne Haskins and nobody gives him any respect. So, you know, he might, I think that that, that second receiver behind Hopkins is kind of a toss up between Christian Kirk, AJ green and their rookie Rondell Moore. So, and obviously all the attention from corners is going to go to Hopkins. So whoever can fill into that role is probably going to have a decent amount of success with a BHD green or anyone else, but he's probably the most talented out of those three. Rondo Moore has been having a great preseason and a great training camp though, too. And has a lot of, has a lot of talent. So behind D hop, I think Rondell Moore is probably going to slide into the two spot and A.J. Green into the three spot, especially considering that A.J. Green lost. I mean, he lost his prowess against guys like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins last year, who are very talented, and I love them in fantasy this year. But this is a guy – I mean, A.J. Green should be in the same conversation as Julio, but he's not anymore because he's just – he just hasn't proved it. It's sad because I loved A.J. Green, but yeah. it is what it is. Also making their debuts on the Arizona side, Mr. J.J. Watt making his Arizona debut and Rodney Hudson, which one of the best offensive linemen in the league, making his debut in Arizona. With that, let's hop into the spreads and the money line for this game. 
The spread, not much. Tennessee is favored by three, so it's Tennessee minus three and Arizona plus three. And the money line is Tennessee minus 160, which you could throw some money on, and Arizona plus 140, which you could definitely throw some money on. So I'll start with you, man. What's your pick and why? Personally, see, like, if I were to have to pick a game to bet on, it's probably this one, just because Arizona is not that far behind Tennessee on both offense and defense, and they're obviously not favored in this game, and all it has to do is, you know, Kyler getting hot against the Titans team that doesn't really have anyone in their pass rush group that can stick with Kyler Murray and, you know, keep him in the pocket. And they don't have anybody to guard DeAndre Hopkins either. So granted, Arizona doesn't exactly have anyone for A.J. Brown or Julio Jones or Derrick Henry. Um, I think I'm going to go Arizona on this one. As much as you heard me slander the Cardinals in the last podcast and every time Lake is on the podcast I will continue to slander the Cardinals I'm probably going to take Arizona here wow interesting interesting I like the pick and I like the explanation I don't I agree with you the defenses on both sides are struggling to say the least but I would say no matter what the over is take it on this game yeah 100 percent 100 percent my pick for this game I'm taking Tennessee Tennessee minus three, Tennessee minus 160 on the money line. I think I think Tennessee in this game will emerge and they'll put themselves on the pedestal as one of the Super Bowl contenders for this year. I really like what this team is doing this year. They've now granted the defensive side, they've got some struggles. But look at Buffalo. Like we've always had this conversation. Offenses that are this high caliber will hold themselves uh, hold themselves in games just because of their scoring ability. And Tennessee, I mean, look no further for a more efficient offense. I mean, you got Derrick Henry, who you can just – I mean, if you wanted to, you could run it, to, uh, run it through him the entire game, but you don't have to. You can run play action, and you can dip out to two of the best receivers in the game. Like, I really do think that Tennessee is going to – punch Arizona in the mouth in this game and come out as after this week, a leader for the Super Bowl contenders along in the same graces as the chiefs and the bills and the bucks. And I, I really, I really like what Tennessee's got going this year. So I like them in this game. All right. Well, let's dive into our next key marquee matchup this week. And that is the Chargers at the Washington football team at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Things to watch in this game. How does the new L.A. Chargers offensive line hold up against an elite defensive line? I mean, the Chargers, they did great things to help their offensive line in the offseason. They brought on Rashawn Slater in the draft, early first-round draft pick. And they signed Corey Lindsley, who ended up leaving Green Bay to a five-year multi-million dollar contract so it's a new look offensive line but in my opinion I think they're going to struggle to open the gate just because it's a new offensive line they got to figure out how to play together and you're facing arguably the best defensive line in football so it'll be hard to that that's a hell of a hell of a team to make your debut against as an offensive line also things to watch in this game can Justin Herbert continue on his historic run last year against an elite secondary? Like, 
I think, and I'll dive in into it a little bit later for my start sits. I have Justin Herbert as one of those guys. And maybe from my talk right now, you can kind of guess what that's going to be. But Justin Herbert, he's got a lot of pressure on him coming into this year. I mean, coming off one of the best rookie seasons of out of a quarterback in NFL history, coming off of a rookie of the year appearance, but he's got a really, really tough matchup in week one. And he's gonna he's gonna be anxiety filled. Like he's coming on, he's got a lot of expectations coming this year. People want to see things out of the Chargers. So I think it'll it might be a little bit too much for Justin Herbert, but we'll dive into that as we continue. Also, how does the Chargers offense look with a new OC? Their new OC, Joe Lombardi, former Saints quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for a little bit as well. And the Chargers, they have Austin Eckler. And when Joe Lombardi was in New Orleans, they had another primary receiving back who was very good, Mr. Alvin Kamara. And I mean, it was pretty obvious how the Saints offense ran through Kamara and Austin Eckler has been saying that it's going to be a lot of Alvin Kamara type offense this year with Joe Lombardi in town. So I like that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And Matthew Berry, very well appraised fantasy expert, has Austin Eckler as his fantasy ride or die this year. And we all expect great things from Austin Eckler. And things to watch also in this game on the Washington football team side. What are we going to see out of Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like it's, it's finally time for him to make his Washington football team debut. And I wanted to throw a couple stats at you real quick. Courtesy of Mike Greenberg on get up the other day, he was comparing this year's Washington football team to the 2019 49ers when they made their Super Bowl run over the past three years. Fitzy has a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady. He has a higher touchdown percentage than Dak Prescott and is a higher QBR than Deshaun Watson. So after all that shit talking on Ryan Fitzpatrick, I want, I want to let those stats sit with you for a second. And you just to like mull that over after they were, they're being compared to a former Super Bowl contender. So let that, let that sit with you, Jaden. Okay. All right. Let's dive into the spreads and the money line for this game. The spread is even. There's not even a spread on this game because it's a pretty equal matchup. And the money line is one minus 110 for each side. So what you got for this game? Uh, this is a toughie. This is the battle of you and Mitchell. Um, I might have to lean Mitchell here just because I think the Chargers defense is better than – Washington's offense, especially now, you know, just today, Curtis Samuel gets placed even on after IR. I, yeah, Curtis Samuel placed on IR. But even after I threw those stats at you, you're gonna you're gonna well, scoff I mean, at them. I can do the same thing with an Roethlisberger, but you won't care. Um, so he know, doesn't have a right. higher he doesn't have a higher touchdown percentage than Dak Prescott over the past three years. You got me fucked up. I bet he has a higher interception percentage than just about anybody in the league too. But, you know, who am I, right? Um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going L.A. here. You wish you had Ryan lot. Fitzpatrick as your quarterback this year, you bum. You I wish. Mean, I promise you I don't. You um, will. Okay. You will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking L.A. I think Herbert will be fine. I think, yeah, he'll, he'll get pressured, but he'll be fine. I don't think Washington can put enough points on the board. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I don't think that the Chargers will have the ability to put that many points up on the board just because they're playing arguably the best defense in the league this week in the Washington football team. So I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring duel like what we saw on Thursday Night Football last night. I don't think that's going to be what this game is at all. So I think Herbert's going to be running for his life. I mean, it's a new-look offensive line. They don't know how to play together. It's a new OC. There's going to be some learning curves. And this game is a hell of a hell of a first game to hop into on a learning curve. So I think Herbert struggles in his first game. I think Herbert will have a great year. But in his first game, I think he struggles to live up to the hype from last year. And the Washington football team will prove why they're one of the best defenses in the league. So, all right, let's hop into Cleveland at Kansas City, which is our next primetime game. Going on at 425 on Sunday. And the things to watch in this game, it's a playoff rematch, AFC playoff rematch. And last year, Chiefs won 22-17 to against a Chad Henney-led Chiefs offense in the last, what, two quarters, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing the rematch in this game. Uh, Clowney's impact will be something to watch in this game as well. Jadavion Clowney coming over from the Tennessee Titans to the Cleveland Browns in the offseason. And it'll be interesting to see what Jadavion Clowney brings to an already stellar defense in Cleveland with Miles Garrett on one side. And it'll be interesting to see. Also, can the Browns passing offense be effective in this game? Like, over the past few years, I mean, Baker has been – I feel like Baker has finally gotten that monkey off his back. But, granted, they need more out of their offensive weapons in the passing game because OBJ is disappointed. Austin Hooper, who was almost the next next up-and-coming Tony Gonzalez, has was silenced last year. Like, you need more out of OBJ. You need more Who out of Who said that? Hold on. Who, who, ne- who, who said Austin Hooper was the next Tony Gonzalez? I don't remember hearing that at Dude, all. Dude, in his it, in his one stellar season, he was fa- with the Falcons. I mean, he was fantastic having putting up Tony Gonzalez like numbers and he's still a super young tight end. So, there was definitely people, I mean, Tony Gonzalez comparisons, okay. I'll back up off of that. But he had a great year in Atlanta and Tony Gonzalez used to be in Atlanta, so you see where I draw the connection there. But they need more out of that Cleveland passing offense this year. And also something to watch, the CEH break out of his slump from last year and have another big game in the season opener. Because last year in the season opener, CEH was just as advertised in fantasy because he was a first-round pick last year. And in the opener, he went for 25 rushes, almost 140 yards, and a touchdown. So. It'll be interesting to see how they get him get him involved in this game and for the rest of the year because last year was a stinker. So the spread for this game, Kansas City is favored by six. So it's Kansas City minus six, Cleveland plus six. And the money line, Kansas City minus 270, Cleveland plus 220. What's your pick for this game and why? Um, probably Kansas City just because Patrick Mahomes wins. You know, that they're, they've got all the firepower. Granted, Cleveland's got one of the best two rosters in the league, them in Tampa Bay. Like, 
top to bottom. Um, I just, I like the Chiefs here. I do think, however, that they're also at home, but I do think that the odds for Cleveland are enough to, you know, maybe put the money down just for the sake of, you know, trying to win some money. Um, but if I had to pick a team to win, it's Kansas City. Yeah, just that I agree with you. But the good, I like a lot of what Cleveland's going to do this year. I think they'll be really good this year. But having Kansas City at Kansas City in the first match of the year, yeah, is and rough. you get you get the you get the real true home field back for the first time. Right. This is you know that's the best home field advantage in football. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, totally agree. I'm taking Kansas City minus six and minus 270 on the money line. The Chiefs will just continue to be the Chiefs in this game. I mean, there's not much to say more than that. All right, let's hop into our next marquee matchup, and that is Green Bay at New Orleans at 425 on Sunday. And the things to watch in this game, new look Saints offense this year. You got a new QB1 in Jabu, Mr. Famous Jameis Winston, at QB1 this year, and I heard Mitchell talking a lot of good stuff about Jameis Winston in our recent podcast, but I would like to shoot all that down. Like, I don't think that the LASIK eye surgery is going to do much for Jameis Winston. Granted, former number one pick, but Jameis Winston is no Drew Brees. I will tell you that right now. So I I do not expect an MVP-type season from Jameis Winston at all. I think that sort of talk is outlandish and if you have if you have something to say about it come see me so <laughs> but also <All> right. <laughs> okay <laughs> james winston slander love to see it but okay so also in the new look saints offense you have no michael thomas for the first six weeks he is on the pup list physically unable to play for the first six weeks of the season so you're going to have no Michael Thomas in, in this game. You're going to have no Latavius Murray, who got cut after refusing to take a pay cut. And it's now with the Ravens, who we already discussed. But I've heard that they like their backup running back there. I think it's Jones something. I don't know. But I've heard that they like him. Apparently, they like him enough to cut Latavius Murray. But Latavius Murray was definitely a factor there. But also, things to watch in this Saints offense this week. Will Kamara be as involved as much as he was in a Drew Brees-led offense? And I've talked about it on this pod before in our fantasy outlook. I don't think the offense is going to look the same at all. Like, I I don't think I don't think James is going to be able to get Kamara. Yeah, it's not like Kamara has to get open, but he's not going to be as effective as a Drew Brees-led offense when they were scared that Drew Brees was going to throw for 60 yards downfield against them. Like, I, I don't expect great things from Kamara this year. Also, things to watch in this game. It's the beginning of the last dance for Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I think both are potential MVP candidates this year. I love the vibes coming out of Green Bay. I love the vibes. And not the vibes coming out of Green Bay, but I love the vibes coming out of those two guys this year. I think they're on a mission. And I, I'm really excited to see what they do in this game against New Orleans at New Orleans, which should be fun. Also, things to watch in this game. Finally, uh, the workload balance between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A lot of people think that A.J. Dillon is going to get a lot of work this year outside of just being a backup running back. I think 
I think they will involve A.J. Dillon a significant amount because they already involved him a lot last year, and there's no more Jamal Williams there. Jamal Williams, primary backup for the past few years behind Aaron Jones, but he has headed to Detroit in the offseason, so I think it'll be interesting to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and how they balance that workload there. Aaron Jones, still the primary back, signed a major extension, but I think it'll be interesting to see. So top into the spread and the money line for this game. Green Bay is favored by four. So it's Green Bay minus four, New Orleans plus four. The money line, Green Bay minus 210, New Orleans plus 175. What you got for your pick and why? Uh, I'm taking Green Bay, but I'm not as confident as I thought I was going to be 45 seconds ago. Um, just because I've thought about, you know, okay, Green Bay for the most part did bring the whole gang back together, but you lose to Corey Lindsley and now Bakhtiari's on IR till week six or seven. Um, that kind of scares me, but I don't trust Jameis Winston yet, especially not against one of the better defenses in the NFL and the Packers. I think they get underrated for as much name talent that they have on their team. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely taking Green Bay, even though New Orleans is at home. I just, I'm not ready with Jameis Winston yet. Now, you know, a couple weeks from now, might have a little bit more confidence in him, but I haven't seen him play in, you know, two years. Right. So I don't know what to expect from him. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't know what to expect out of him either because he had the eye surgery and uh, the last time he was primarily playing, he threw for he almost threw for the most touchdowns in the league, but he tied that with his interceptions. So interesting, but yeah, I'm taking green Bay as well. Green Bay minus four minus two ten on the money line. I think that a rod and Devonte embark on their wonderful last dance season and they start in this game. So with that, let's hop into our picks for the other games. So Philly at Atlanta, what you got, we're going to run through these real quick. I uh, got Atlanta at home. I got Atlanta at home as well. Minnesota at Cincy. Uh, give me Minnesota on the road just because they've got the Neil Hunter to be able to take advantage of that poor offensive line. They still have the high-powered offense. Fair enough. Give me Cincinnati just because I think Joe Burrow is on a mission this year. And I think that that wide receiver. I love Joe gonna... Burrow, though. Yeah. I love Joe yeah. Burrow, though. Yeah. How can you not love Joe Burrow? Yeah. Um, San Francisco at Detroit. Who you got? Easy one, San Francisco, not even close. Yep, 100% agree. New York at Carolina. Well, okay, uh, San Fran, I also take San Fran, if that weren't yeah. clear. But New York at Carolina, who you got? Uh, before I had Carolina, but now I'm switching up. I got the Jets on the road. Ooh, interesting, interesting. I'm going to take Carolina. I think that Zach Wilson's going to take some time to get the league under his feet a little bit but Sam Darnold will impress in his debut with some weapons and Christian bench game. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville at Houston. Give me Jacksonville on the road. I just, they're more talented. Not by much, but hundred percent. Trey law will impress in his debut against a sorry Houston team with Tyrod Taylor at the home. Good luck. Miami and new England. Uh, give me New England at home, better coached, probably a better overall team, and I hate Tua. Interesting. I will take Miami just because that defense is stellar, and I do have questions about Tua this year, but I think New England, with all the free agent signings, despite that, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. And Miami was a playoff contender last year. They didn't make the playoffs, but, 
I mean, if you remember, they were right on the edge. They had 10 wins last year. So Denver and New York. Yeah, give me Denver on the road. One of the best four or five rosters Giants. in the league just need a quarterback. Yeah, the New York Giants, if it wasn't clear to anybody. Um, I will also take Denver. Wait, you said you're taking the Giants or Denver? No, I said I'm taking Denver. Okay, I will take Denver as well. Um, Indianapolis, uh, Seattle, who you got? Seattle at home, right? Yep, I think. Yeah, give me Seattle. Yeah, I will take Seattle as well. I think Carson Wentz will struggle in his debut. And as much as I love Carson Wentz, I think it will struggle in the entire season as a whole. Um, interesting, though, that Carson Wentz is making his debut unexpected this week yeah. because it was expected that he might be out for the first five to six weeks. So um, Chicago at the Rams on Sunday Night Football, which is a stinker. But yeah, give, give me the Rams. Yeah, give me the Rams 100. Jesus. Um, Baltimore, Vegas on Monday Night Football. Give me Baltimore, and I'm slamming it. I'm slamming Baltimore. 100%. Baltimore always impresses in their openers. I don't care about the running back situation. In fact, I think that with the running back Don't care about the running back situation for a team that that runs their offense through their rushing. Yeah, but they've got the, the best running back, as much as I hate to say it, the best running back on their team is still playing. Interesting. Hmm. I will take Vegas just because I think and Baltimore I also is think- scrambling right now because they lost their best cornerback and they lost all of their running back room for a team that needs rushing to succeed. So I will take Vegas. Uh, I think they punched them in the mouth on Monday Night Football. And I think I think the Raiders could finish as one of the five worst teams in football this year. Their defense is probably the worst outside of Houston. I don't trust Derek Carr. Their wide receiver room isn't good. They don't know what they want to do at running back. They've got two guys. They don't know who to give the keys to. Darren Waller's great, but and they just completely obliterated their offensive line, which was their only strength outside of tight end. Give me Baltimore by 100,000. Interesting. I like it. I like the enthusiasm, at least. All right. Well, that just about does it for the week one matchups and all of our picks for this week. And let's dive into our start sits for this week, which is going to be a new interesting segment on this podcast. We will, for each major position group in fantasy football, we will give you one start of the week and one sit of the week for each major position group in fantasy. So let's start with the running backs. Who you got as your start this week, Mr. Jaden Kozak? Uh, my start of the week, sticking with the Ravens, is Tyson Williams. I think that just because they're they're going to try and figure things out, and I think he just pops immediately. I could be completely the wrong undrafted about this. rookie. Pops. I could be completely wrong about this, but I think he pops. Just got a gut feeling about it. I like it. I like it. Give me James Robinson as my start of the week with – A new offense that does not have Travis Etienne, I think there's no reason to believe that James Robinson won't just hop back into the same role that he had last year. And he plays Houston this week, who allowed the most yards against the run in 2020. And Trey Law in his first game, he's not going to be – I imagine that he's not going to throw for 400 and air it out the whole time. I mean, he might against a sorry Houston defense, but, I mean, he's a rookie quarterback, so – tendencies would lead you to believe that he's more likely to dump it off in this game so I think James Robinson will see primary heavy receiving work this week 
and heavy work on the ground. I like James Robinson a lot this week. Yeah, if it wasn't Tyson Williams, I probably would have gone James Robinson. But my sit is DeAndre Swift. He is – I know they said he's good to go, but he's still – you know, I think the groin is still lingering. Uh, He's playing a tough San Francisco defense, and he might be in handcuffs by Sunday. So who knows? Fair enough. Fair enough. And, I mean, it's not good for a player's psyche to have a murder allegation hanging over his head. Yeah. So he probably will – his mind might be somewhere else during that game. Yeah. So that's a solid sit. Sit for me, Saquon Barkley. I know this is a hot take, and if you drafted him in the first round, you're probably going to play him, but hear me out. He plays Denver this week. Denver is a stout defense. Now, against the run, they're not as good on paper, but it's Denver is one of the best defenses in the league. And Saquon will be on a pitch count this week, and we talked about it a little bit before the pod. They're looking to keep him under 20 carries, but I don't even think he'll – get near 20 carries this week um joe judge came out the other day and said i can only control volume not intensity and that wasn't a question directly related to saquon but it sounds a hell of a lot like he's talking about saquon so i don't like what's coming out of new york as far as saquon barkley rumblings this week so if you have a better option on the bench i would definitely have saquon either ride in the flex or ride the pine this week so Wide receiver, start. Who you got? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, another game, another player in that 49ers-Detroit matchup. Uh, Detroit is horrible. And I I just like Brandon Ayuk this year as a whole. They've got one of the easiest schedules as far as receiver goes, and he's the primary receiver in that offense. Yeah, I mean, I went a really similar route. Give me Debo Samuel this week. He plays the Lions. Yeah, he plays the Lions. Like you said, I mean, they're a sorry defense. They allowed the third most fantasy points to receivers last year. And Debo Samuel underrated this year. He only played seven games in 2020, but in 2019, outside of George Kittle, he was the primary target there for Jimmy G, who is starting the year as the quarterback. So we know that Jimmy G likes to go to Debo Samuel. And in 2019, last time that Debo Samuel really saw solid like a full season. He had three weeks with over a hundred yards receiving and he led the team in receiving behind Kittle. So sit for this week, wide receiver. Uh, I know this was a hot name out of preseason. Probably the hottest name in preseason was Marquez Calloway, who seemed to build some chemistry with Jameis Winston and especially Michael Thomas being gone for a little bit and there being no other answers in that receiver room in new Orleans. People started to look to Marquez Calloway. I know, uh, Mitchell, who I'm playing this week in fantasy, started him over Mike Evans, which isn't going to be that hard for that to pay out for him. But he is playing the Packers, and considering it looks like he's the best receiver on that team, he's probably going to be guarded by Jerry Alexander, who is arguably the best man coverage corner in the league. I don't like it at all. I would keep Marquez Callaway far away from my starting lineup this week, unless you have to. Fair enough. And I can't see a situation where you would have to play Marquez Callaway. Hopefully you have better options outside of Callaway. So. My sit this week, which is also in the same – I'll say this in the same breath as Saquon Barkley because this is a high draft pick, and if you want to start him, I totally understand, but it's a bad matchup. Allen Robinson plays the Rams this week, and he is my sit. And the Rams, they allowed the least fantasy points to receivers, the least yards, the least touchdowns last year. They are an elite defense with Jalen Ramsey at the helm. Jalen Ramsey will be covering Allen Robinson, draped all over him all game. And Andy Dalton is the starter to start the year, and we did not see great things out of Andy Dalton last year. So with Andy Dalton behind center against a Super Bowl 
caliber defense in the Rams and Jalen Ramsey covering Allen Robinson all game. Sit Allen Robinson this week if you can. Quarterback, start. What you got? Uh, my start is Ryan Tannehill. Even though I took the Cardinals, I still think it's going to be a super high-scoring game, which means Ryan Tannehill is going to score a whole lot. Cardinals don't have the greatest secondary or pass. For, well, I guess they do now. Um, but they still don't have one of the greatest secondaries, and Tannehill has some pretty solid weapons to throw to. I like the Tannehill start this week. I like Tannehill as a top-ten quarterback this year. Yeah. Um my start this week is a little sneaky. It's a little streamer. You'll definitely be able to pick them up off of waivers for the free agency if you so choose. And it's Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo plays the Lions, which we've already talked about. They allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks last year because they are just an outright miserable and sorry defense. And Jimmy G is coming in this year. He's coming into this game looking to prove that he is the starter in San Francisco. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And he's got all of his boys back. He's got Debo Samuel fully healthy, George Kittle fully healthy. And Jimmy G, I mean, he led the team to the Super Bowl. And when he was, when he had a fully healthy 49ers team. So give me Jimmy G as a stream start this week if you have to. You're set for this week. Uh, Give me Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. I, you know, contemplated just going no quarterback and then picking him up in some of my leagues, but I don't like him this week. I think Daniel Hunter is going to be able to get at them and he's he's just going to start slow just from not playing football for a little bit. And also the leg and that whole situation. I just, I don't like him this week in particular. Fair enough. Fair enough. This week, I already alluded to it earlier, but sit Justin Herbert this week, if you can. He's playing. He's got one of the toughest matchups in football. You're going up against the new corner there, Willie Jackson. Kendall Fuller is already there, elite defensive line. And you're playing a new – you've got a new offensive line there, so it, it'll take some time for them to get football under their feet. And there's a lot of expectations on Justin Herbert's shoulders this year, so I think he shines a little less bright than the spotlight is on him this year in this game. So tight end start, what you got? Uh, I got Austin Hooper just because I think the Browns are going to have to score a lot to keep up with Kansas city and they don't really defend tight ends very well. And so I think you'll just get a lot of volume from Baker Mayfield. Fair enough. Fair enough for my start this week. uh, Give me Tyler Higby. He is going up against Chicago this week, and they allowed the second most fantasy points to receiver or not to receiver to tight end last year. And Tyler Higby is the main guy there now. Gerald Everett is out of town and the Bears are a top 10 defense against wide receivers. So it's going to be or they were a top defense, top 10 defense against wide receivers last year. So it'll be tough for them. It'll be tough for Stafford to hit Cooper Cup and hit Bobby Trees on the outside. So give me Tyler Higby in this game as a start. Sit for also, Titan. Bobby Tree is top three nickname in football right now. I love oh, that 100%. so much. Oh, yeah, me too. I me love too. that. 100 Um Tight end sit is Eric Ebron. Uh, this was a guy that I was super happy we signed at the – not this past offseason, but the offseason before that. But we bring in Fryermuth, and I feel like him and Fryermuth are going to split snaps 50-50, and Eric Ebron was already arguably the fourth option passing wise now Najee Harris is there you can move him to the fish fifth option and he's only going to be on the field maybe 60 to 70 percent of the time I just I can't 
Canton confidence starting this week, especially now they're also playing the Bills, who have great linebackers in Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. My sit this week, and this is uh, this is less in the same breath that Allen Robinson and Saquon Barkley are, but if you can, sit TJ Hawkinson this week. He's playing a stout San Francisco defense who has all their boys back. They allowed, and despite losing everybody last year, they allowed the least fantasy points to tight end, and they only allowed 481 yards and four touchdowns all year against the tight end, which is unbelievable. So, and that's by a far margin the least amount of production from tight ends amongst any defense in the league last year. So he's playing a stout San Francisco defense and you got Jared Goff starting there and Jared Goff is going to need some time to get used to the sorry team that he has in Detroit. So, yeah. yeah. So give me sit TJ Hawkinson. All right. So due to time constraints, we are going to save our award prediction season ending or season award predictions for our Insta page, which we are looking to get revamped anyway. So keep an eye out for our award predictions on the Instagram page. We will also post our start sits as well as our week one picks for this week. And with that, that just about does it for our week one outlook. Everybody, good luck this weekend with your fantasy teams and with your personal teams. Go watch the football team. They're going to crush the Chargers this week. And my fantasy team's going to kill it too. So got to come into the week with confidence. Football is back. Praise the Lord. Let's go. All right. Signing off. We will catch you on the flip side. And good luck this week. Adios.